Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita, and let's begin. And welcome to episode 29 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And I am excited to share with you a very important letter, one that has touched my heart. Um, And honestly, right after I read it in my email inbox, I pushed record because I wanted to answer it right away. So um, I do hope it is helpful for you. And I have a feeling no matter what walk of life you're in, you're going to find yourself um, nodding in agreement with the experiences. And in particular, this letter writer is someone who has um, participated in the entertainment industry, wanting to be an actor, and has also been in a size that was deemed, um, quote unquote, unacceptable. And so that's the theme for today is, um, you know, what kind of bodies are acceptable and what can we do about it? Before we get to today's letter, I want to let you know that if you live near um, or in Greensboro, North Carolina and are affected by PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, I'm excited to bring a uh, another round of my PCOS and food peace 
um, class, I cover the nine keys to making peace with food while affected by this really crappy condition. Um, And um, it's a three-week course. We just meet once a week over three weeks. And the cool thing about this course is that after it's over, you are able then to also participate in our monthly PCOS and food peace support group. So anybody else who's ever um, done the course will also can be a part of that. And it's really nice because I feel like even though so many women are affected by PCOS, I don't think they really connect very much because it's just not spoken about. And so finally, you can be around other women who understand and get what it's like. So if you're interested, just go ahead and shoot me an email at lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can give us a call. And if you um, look at our website, juliedillonrd.com, you can also find a way to connect with us to um, check it out or to reserve your spot. And I look forward to seeing you in September. So I think that's all for me. So let's go ahead and hear this episode's letter. Dear Food, I know many people want to blame you for their problems, but I don't because I know the problem isn't you, it's me. I never even thought of us as being in any kind of official relationship, but now as an adult, I suppose we have always been bonded. When I was diagnosed with severe depression at 15, you were there to soothe, warm, and comfort me during the years that I forgot how to feel. You are basically the only thing that brought me joy. But we already had a past of comfort and reward. My mother used to reward me with food all the time. Practice the piano, get a candy bar, do good on your exams, a trip to Dairy Queen. My mother was always thin and never had an issue with her weight or her relationship with you, food. My dad struggled a little with his weight, but he was very active. I didn't come from a family that was considered fat or unhealthy, so I felt so unprepared when I grew into my woman's body and didn't look anything like my mother, let alone any of the other women in my extended family. I am tall, broad-shouldered, and have a large chest, maybe what most would consider curvy, while the other women in my family were smaller, more petite, with smaller chests. I was a larger size and constantly struggled with my weight from when I was 15. I felt so undeserving of everything. I didn't deserve a boyfriend. I was overweight and therefore ugly. I didn't deserve to succeed or be accepted, not until I lost the weight. And to make matters worse, I subconsciously surrounded myself with friends who were gorgeous and thin because I wanted to be them. But in turn, I just let their presence make me feel worse. But food, you were always there with a warm remedy. And I always knew that even though I didn't have the control to stop myself from eating you, you weren't the issue. This was all my fault. It's my responsibility to stop. And no matter how I tried, I just couldn't make a lasting difference. My first official diet was in college. I dropped some weight. I was a theater major and in a play where I was playing a sexy role. And so I felt amazing on stage after my weight loss. While I succeeded, this success marked the beginning of a very long struggle of failing diets. I went to graduate school to be an actor and of course, gained that weight plus some back before I went. 
My first year in school was amazing and full of growth and self-discovery. But after my first year, all of the women in my class, seven of us out of 10, were told by the head of our program and the artistic director of a professional theater affiliated with our school that they didn't have a place for us in the next season if we didn't all lose weight. We were cornered by a group of men who told us that our bodies were basically bad and that we were uncastable. And of course, they didn't even offer to help us achieve the goals they demanded. Needless to say, we all lost weight, myself included. At the time, I didn't know how terrible it was and illegal for these directors and educators to ask this of me. I thought it was just what I had to do if I wanted to be an actress. I went from a size 10 to a size 6 and occasionally fit in a size 4. I was eating very low calorie, and honestly, I felt pretty good. I was motivated, and I looked amazing. I had a boyfriend and landed a few great roles. I felt good. But after school, I slowly gained the weight back and lost my confidence, and still continued to have an exhausting love-hate relationship with my body. It took me a few years to really understand how screwed up my body was after graduate school and how my career and personal health suffered for it. I've been to therapy. I've done detoxes. I even stopped acting for a while to reassess my life and decide what I really need and want. But at the end of the day, I still pretty much hate my body. I've recently become a vegan as well for moral reasons, which I hoped would help regulate my eating, but it hasn't helped much in that regard. I've always believed that if I could just lose the weight, I would be a successful actress and be much happier with my quality of life. I hate the way my body feels. I hate that I constantly grow out of and back into my clothes. I hate that my body is still constantly changing. I hate that I see the beauty in other people, but I can't see it in myself. And I hate the resentment I have for others now more than ever. I hate how it seems so easy for so many people around me. They don't think about food the way I do. It doesn't occupy their thoughts almost every day of every day. They can basically eat what they want, when they want, and they don't have issues fitting into their pants. And here I am, a woman who feels so out of control. I've hit another roadblock in my life, and now I can't stop stress eating. I was eating potato chips as I began to write this letter, in fact. I feel angry and completely annoyed at how much I let you, food, rule my life. I think about eating all the time, and in turn, how unhappy I am with my body, how truly ugly I feel. I'm at the point where I'm so unhappy with my body, and the disdain for what I look like feels like a virus I carry around with me everywhere I go. I don't know what I need, but I just know that I need something to change. The anger and frustration inside of me feels endless. I don't know what to do or what my next step is. Please help. Sincerely, will I ever be good enough? Hey there, letter writer. Thank you so much for your letter. And I have to admit, I just read it and just push record. Like I am, I typically, you know, read the letters as they come in and then kind of wait till the spirit moves me and then answer that one. But I literally just read your letter and push record. So I'm very much looking forward to sharing my thoughts. And your letter was very moving to me. And I have a feeling that 
there's many people who maybe can't say that they've been involved in acting, but have identified with this lack of acceptance in their life, and it has been expressed on their body. So um, just know that your words probably are helping someone else to feel like they're not alone. And we are all very grateful for your words. And, you know, looking through your letter, the theme that I did pick up on is that you're you're looking and you're yearning for acceptance and seeking it in the way your body looks, um, whether it's your weight or uh, beauty. And something that's complicating it is that the way that you've defined this acceptable body doesn't seem to match up with your genetics. And I get that, you know, it's not necessarily something that you sat down and defined yourself. You certainly have um, internalized the stigmas and um, stereotypes that we have for people who don't meet the thin ideal. And unfortunately, this is just further reinforced with the media's discrimination with like the lack of, you know, diverse body shapes and sizes uh, amongst other things. And and the media's like discrimination and lack of uh, representing what we all look like. So that just totally sucks because I feel like it, it further enhanced this um, unacceptable kind of um, theme that you have. And then, you know, the, the experience in grad school where you mentioned um, being told like you can't further your career until you um, take away some of the space you're taking up, you know, being forced to go on a diet that is just wrong on so many levels and shame on anyone who is enforcing such a rule or putting someone in the corner in that way. You know, I I assume, you know, if you're going to to grad school for acting, that there's got to be a gift that you have with it. And um, what a wonderful thing to bring to the world, uh, you know, someone that looks just a little bit different than what we typically see on TV. And I think there's a lot of power in that. I think there's so much power in seeing people that look like ourselves and for you, letter writer, I know you looked to the women in your family and something that kind of started to seal the deal for this unacceptable body type that you've defined was not being able to see women in your family that look like you. And um, something that I kind of question is, well, I wonder if your genetics for your body size are just more in line with your father's. And I know you said he, he quote unquote struggled with his weight. Um, which to me kind of is code for he didn't accept it. And he also passed on that message that he felt like his weight was unacceptable. But what if genetically the two of you are just supposed to have larger bodies? And um, so I wonder what it would have been like for you if um, you just had some more representation of bodies that look like your body and had this kind of either neutral or positive type of association with those body types. And I also wonder what it would be like for you if the media did allow um, a, a more progressive stance on selecting who was in their um, presentations or theater or TV commercials, yada, yada. You know, I wonder what it would be like for you if you would have seen women who looked like you as you were kind of going through your training as an actor. And something that I'm gathering from your letter is that you basically have been trained that you're not supposed to take up 
too much space. Um, I do feel like when, as women, we're told to um, diet or when we get the message that it's not acceptable to have fat in certain areas, it is this 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 theme um, that's much bigger than just weight and dieting um, and looks. I think it does go deeper and it's a message that as women, we should not be as vocal, that we don't, um, we should not have to um, ask for what we want and need, that really we shouldn't have needs, and that we shouldn't be taking up as much space because basically, as women, we're less than men. Um, I hope, as I just said that, <laughs> that you realize that I don't agree with that. I do identify as a feminist. And because I feel like, yeah, of course, we're equal. We um, have as much um, right and um, to take up space and to be however we're going to be. You know, the other part of that, it sounds like for your letter that I think a lot of people um, can identify with is that this this uh, association of the feelings just being so endless. And I further feel like that backs up what I just said, that, um, you know, I feel like the anger and frustration feeling like they're endless is mirroring that fear of taking up too much space. Like what if I always feel angry or always feel frustrated? What if it never ends? And, you know, something that I think is really important to know about feelings is that they never stay the same. Um, there are times where we may feel a more intensity um, of feelings and we may feel like they take longer or shorter periods of time. But as we feel them and identify them and respect them, and hopefully accept them, they do start to change and move on. That's just the human experience. So if you're wondering, you know, how to move forward, I do encourage you to give yourself permission. And I would say this in a figurative as well as literal sense, give yourself permission to take up your space. However your body is right now, practice giving yourself permission to take up the space that it's taking up right now. You know, that doesn't mean that you have to love it or even accept it, but just give it permission for right now to be and sit with what comes with that. And I have a feeling it may feel really uncomfortable because um, the I know you referenced in your letter that these feelings of frustration and anger felt quote unquote ugly. And, um, so it may feel really uncomfortable. And I have to say too, I, you know, I live in the South and I hear a lot of people say, especially to children when they're being um, like voicing anger or frustration or being mean to someone, they're like, oh, don't be ugly. And it does make me feel uncomfortable to hear that because I do feel like it's associating that when we are feeling anger or an emotion that's similar to that, or we're verbalizing our anger and communicating that we have some needs, that that is something that is ugly or not acceptable. So let's stop saying that to our children and let's stop saying that to ourselves. You know, feelings um, are a way that our body communicates these unmet needs and expressing them helps them to move to where they need to move. And I feel like something that we can do as humans is if we call them ugly, try to neglect them or avoid them, don't accept them, they stay in our body. They stay there until 
we are ready to really acknowledge them and then they can move on. So as you do give yourself permission to take up your space, letter writer, I do encourage you to redefine what an acceptable body is for you and for everyone else. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, between you and me, um, you and I can work on accepting diverse body shapes and sizes. And I do appreciate that in our culture, our culture is just not there yet. It's like a big ship. It's going to take a long time to turn this puppy around. Yet we can still start working on that. And if you and me can continue this discussion and challenge how our brains are wired about body shape and size, well, it's just one more like effort then to help turning this, this ship around. And I realize though that in the, the craft that you have fallen um, in love with, you know, the, this, this gift that you have with acting is not necessarily there yet, but I would encourage you to align yourself with folks who are in the industry and promoting um, this different way of looking at bodies. And I don't know if you got a chance to listen to This American Life they had an episode um, back in the early summer, late spring, that was titled Tell Me I'm Fat. And it was a really interesting discussion because um, bodies, shape, and size in theater and in, in the um, entertainment industry is something that was discussed in a very real and raw way. So for some of my clients listening to it has been quite um, triggering. So, you know, just be aware of that for you because of the very... Uh, frank discussion of body shape and um, and also I think it's helpful because it does give a very diverse um, look at body shape and gives you letter writer a chance to hear from people who have walked in your shoes and one person in particular that I think could be quite helpful for you is the first person interviewed her name is Lindy West and um, on this show we have something called a food peace syllabus and I want to include Shrill, which is a new book by Lindy West, on this food piece syllabus. And just as a reminder, the food piece syllabus is this collection of resources that we have been cultivating since this podcast began. And um, you know, outside of listening to this podcast, you can look to this as a resource to further cultivate food peace and body respect. And so the first one from today's podcast I want to add on there is Shrill by Lindy West. And her voice is amazing because she, not only is she a brilliant writer, um, she also is a person in a larger body who has been able to communicate. I feel like for me, someone who's in this conventionally um, more acceptable body, she's given me a chance to just further understand what it's like to be in a larger body. And she also has been someone who has been fat positive to, and she's access, she's been able to access people who um, are not body positive and start to shift their brains. <laughs> so letter writer, let's read Shrill. I just started it, so maybe we can read it together. Um, and I would hope that is something that helps to kind of just redefine your own idea of what an acceptable body um, is for you and for everybody else. Another one to add, which is actually already on the food piece syllabus, but I think for what we're talking about right now, it just is going to further enhance this type of conversation is body respect 
by Linda Bacon and Lucy Affermore. And Body Respect, which the the uh, second part of the title is What Conventional Health Books Get Wrong, Leave Out, and Just Plain Fail to, to Understand About Weight. The This book has um, the research behind why the diets that you were going on, Letter Writer, how they were never really intended to work long-term, that they were, they were never something that was going to be able to provide a long-term solution. They were never going to be able to provide health. They were only going to continue to contribute to the downward spiral of your self-concept. And the other part of it is, is this fuel as a social justice issue for us to change how we define an acceptable body. We all need to be hearing these words or reading these words. So check out Body Respect. Okay, letter writer. I hope you find these additions to the food peace syllabus as a helpful adjunct to exploring what an acceptable body can be for you and for anyone else. And I hope it does give you permission to be where you are right now. And remember, you know, all these feelings that are coming from this kind of disconnect for these unmet needs, the anger, the frustration, these are messages from your body that are kind of tapping you on the shoulder, letting you know that it needs something. And I know we live in a world that likes to deny that as women, we need something. And we all do. It's just part of the human condition. And when we look towards acceptance in our body and the way we look, or if we look for love and affection, um, from the way we experience how other people experience our bodies, it's never going to work because acceptance is an experience. It's not how our body is shaped. It's something that we get from connection. Um, It's something that we get from interacting in the world. It is not something that is um, dependent on how our body is shaped. So keep that in mind as we listen to what food has to say, because I see food has written back. I hope you can keep us posted how things are going. Please, if you haven't, I would encourage you to go back to therapy, try it again, and this time dig deeper. And I really encourage you and a therapist to work on what an acceptable body and feelings are for you. Take care. Dear, will I ever be good enough? Here we are again in a love-hate relationship. We wish you would end this tug of war. We, along with your emotions, want to tell you something. You are good enough. Yes, you, right now, all of you. You know what's not good enough? The cultural expectations of size, beauty, and weight. Also, gender inequality. Until we see cultural change, surround yourself with size-diverse feminists. Lean on them and seek their therapeutic connection. Here, you will find the keys to acceptance. And they've been in your pocket all along. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your Dear Food letter to lovefoodpodcasts at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. 
I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food Series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.